0: Welcome to the Cumberland Podcast. My name is Chris Fleming. I'm the Adult Ministry Coordinator for the Discipleship Ministry Team of the Cumberland Presbyterian Ministry Council of the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. And today we're going to talk about the lectionary text for January 19th. That's going to be the second Sunday after Epiphany. And the lectionary uh, texts are going to be Isaiah chapter 49 verses 1 through 7, 1 Corinthians 1, 1 through 9, John 1, 29 through 42, and Psalm 40, 1 through 12. But before we get into that, I wanted to let you know about a new curriculum that's been developed for our churches uh, by nathan wheeler who is our youth and young adult um, coordinator it's a curriculum designed for teachers and leaders to lead not follow you can find information for the stir curriculum at www.cpcmc.org forward slash stir s-t-i-r and the curriculum is broken into three lessons focusing on god's good broken and redeemed creation within each lesson there are three parts Head, heart, and hands. Head represents a teaching about the specific lesson. For instance, there may be a scripture discussion, sermon outline, talking points, lesson, video, etc. And then the heart section will be the creative or evocative portion of the that may have a lesson, uh, video lesson, liturgy, a song reflection, and the hand section will be activities or ways that your group can move toward action. Stir can be used as small group lessons, a theme and material for retreats or camps, or part of a sermon series. One of the main goals was to give you lots of unique and helpful tools so that you can incorporate them into talking with your group about God's creation. We can't wait to hear about all the ways you use STIR and how it helps to stir your and your group's faith and imagination. You can order that by going to www.cumberland.org forward slash resources. You can also call in phone orders at 901-276-4581 and Miss Cindy Wharton will get you fixed up. Uh, If you want some more information about STIR, you can email Nathan Wheeler at nwheeler at cumberland.org. So make sure you check that out. That can be used for youth groups or it can be used for small groups, adult studies, whatever it may be. So if you want some more information, contact those uh, resources. So again, uh, the second Sunday after Epiphany, uh, the colics for the day is Almighty God, whose Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, is the light of the world, Grant that your people, illumined by your word and sacraments, may shine with the radiance of Christ's glory, that he may be known, worshipped, and obeyed to the ends of the earth, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns one God, now and forevermore. Amen. So some of the common themes of, uh, the, that you can find for the day, for this second Sunday of epiphany, uh, I guess a major theme of the day is how do we respond to the light which has been revealed? So we've experienced the light of God, and now we're called to spread that light of God. It's the calling we received in our baptism. So how do we respond? How do we live in light of the light? How do we spread that light in a dark world? Another theme, and related to the first, is that we are supposed to be intentional and purposeful in the proclamation of God's love and the worship of God. An experience of God's love and divine light should compel us to worship and proclamation. And a final theme that I um, mentioned or that I'll mention is that these texts, while we're called to spread the light and we realize not everyone will come to the light, it's our faithfulness, right, that is is being judged. It's how we've been obedient to our response to the light, not whether we ourselves are the reason others come to the light. In other words, being faithful to God is our purpose, not necessarily the results, but our obedient faithfulness to God. Uh, There's a... uh, it's a little sermon illustration I'll throw in for free. Uh, it's from a, the Gospel Herald, and it's a preacher who uh, wrote in and said we stopped at a garage just at dusk one evening. Something about the engine needed attention. An s- older mechanic examined uh, into the trouble while a helper stood by. He, the helper, was directing beams of a powerful flashlight into the recesses under the hood, but something attracted the helper's attention. And he turned away, and in so doing, inadvertently turned off the light. The mechanic looked up, and with some good humor and patience explained, Shine your light. What else are you here for anyway? So that's something to think about um, when we think about the epiphany and our response to being light in the world. What are we here for anyway? So let's look at the passages, the Isaiah 49, 1-7 passage uh, first. This passage is the foundation for the rest of the text for this Sunday. Uh, this is one of the servant songs of Isaiah. Uh, This could be directly applied to Jesus Christ as God's Messiah, but it could also be applied to the covenant community as a whole and also could be applied to any individual believer who seeks to be a servant of God in Christ. When you're baptized and you become a baptized member of the covenant community, you find your identity in God. And that being said, the second verse of the Isaiah passage says, "...the Lord called me before I was born. While I was in my mother's womb, he named me. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me." In other words, we're here for a purpose, and from our birth, and even before it, as the scripture text says, we're given the tools to be servants in the hands of God. We're being shaped in such a way that we are to be God's light in the dark world. We've been made a polished arrow, hidden away in God's quiver, as Isaiah says. And I like that imagery. It reminds me of Paul's exhortation to Timothy to be ready in season and out of season. In the text, the stated purpose is that, purpose is that this servant would bring Jacob back to God, and to restore the survivors of Israel. That doesn't seem to happen in verse 4, though, because we read the response of the servant. But I've said, I've labored in vain. I've spent my strength for nothing in vanity, but surely my cause is with the Lord and my reward with God. There was a time I remember after about the 10th year of in ministry at the same church, somebody said something in a session meeting and everybody agreed with it. And it was something that was pretty unchristian. And I remember thinking to myself, well, Fleming, ten years. You've been on the job for ten years, and they've heard absolutely nothing that you've said. (laughs) Like, There goes that star in my crown. Anyway, it was somewhat devastating to me, after ten years, that I would hear a statement like that, and everyone agree. And so sometimes ministry feels like a vain activity. Um, But we're assured in the last verse that our ministry will not be in vain. When we are faithful to God, uh, God will work, and eventually even kings and princes shall prostrate themselves. Our faithfulness ends in the glorification of God. If we're being faithful, God will be glorified. So when things don't go well in ministry, I would recommend to you memorizing Isaiah chapter or Isaiah 49.6, where God responds to the servant who said he's worked in vain. God says, it is, is it too light of a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the survivors of Israel? I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation will reach to the end of the earth. In other words, it's not too light of a thing. Being a servant of God is the reward in itself. Faithfulness is our reward. That brings us to the Psalm passage, Psalm 41 through 12. In the Psalm passage, we see how experience of God leads to worship and proclamation. Now, a lot of things uh, I've read here lately, a lot of criticisms of what the Western Church has become enamored with, a quote-unquote personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I read the criticism because What it does is allow Christians to become their own arbiter of interpretation of Scripture and what Jesus likes and dislikes. You can see the effect of this personal relationship on Jesus Christ on the massive amount of different denominations we have in the Western Church. We tend to lose sight of the community when we focus on simply being a personal relationship. But that being said, our relationship with Christ must be personal, because it's through the experience that we have with Jesus Christ that we're able to proclaim the tender love and benefits of Jesus Christ. The psalm says, You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. Were I to proclaim and tell all of them, they would be more than can be counted. Sacrifice and offering you do not desire, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Here I am. In the scroll of the book, it is written to me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. See, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. In this psalm, you can note the totality in which the psalmist has experienced God personally. The psalmist sings a new song from his lips. The psalmist is given an open ear. The psalmist has hidden the law in his heart. You can see all parts of the psalmist. Uh, has experienced god personally and the result is not to participate in dead ritual like burnt offering and sin offering but that the psalmist himself becomes the sacrifice of praise to god and the praise of the psalmist is not only personal and private but it's public and he does so before the whole great whole of the great congregation the psalmist proclaims to everyone the love and glory of god and out of the Corinthians passage, 1 Corinthians chapter one, verses one through nine, uh, we see that Paul is the embodiment of the arrow and the quiver from the Isaiah passage. I'm reminded of Galatians chapter one, verses fifteen and sixteen, when Paul says, "But when God, who had set me apart before I was born and called me through His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son to me, so that I might proclaim Him among the Gentiles." Right? Paul in his Damascus Road experienced Jesus Christ. Uh, he was compelled at that point to take the light to all the known world. He used his personal experience to go forth and edify all the faithful and to call the unfaithful into faithful covenant with God. In this Corinthians passage, he seeks to enrich the saints in speech and knowledge to help them discover their spiritual gifts that they have been given so that they can go and do the same work of being the light in the world. The other thing he uh, accomplishes in this text is that the body of Christ would be matured and that they would become blameless on the day of Christ. And the third thing he tries to um, do with the Corinthians is to call them into a true, authentic fellowship to become and embody everything that is the covenant community of God. And when we do these things, the church collective becomes the servant of God in the world. In other words, our churches and our community become the arrow in the quiver and we, we uh, are an island and an, an embassy of the, of the kingdom of God to the, the people around the church. And then finally, in the John chapter or John chapter 1 verses 29 through 42, uh, it gives us an application on how we do carry out our service to God. So it starts with John the Baptizer seeing Christ and confessing Christ is greater than he, and that Christ is the Son of God. The text says that some of John's disciples were standing around him, When again, the next day, John saw Jesus and says, Look here, this is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Now John's disciples were listening, so they went to Jesus, and they asked him, Where are you staying? And Jesus says, "Eh, you just got to come and see. In other words, Jesus was not interested in words and simple intellectual assent to who he was, but instead Jesus invited them to be with him, to personally experience what everything he was about. The disciples stayed with Jesus for a day, and after that experience with Jesus Andrew went to his brother Simon and said, We found the Messiah. We know this is the Messiah. And that begins a great journey for Simon Peter as Andrew brought him to Jesus and said, You come and experience this for yourself. So the purpose of the text today is that we experience life with Christ, we worship and proclaim that light, and we uh, experience that love, and we invite others and say, Come and see. Experience for yourself. Uh, I had a Bible college professor that once said, He understood the preaching task as the same as that of Moses. Moses would go up on the mountain, he would receive from God and experience God, and he came down from the mountain, and he proclaimed those experiences and words, and it it brought the people closer to God so that they too could have a mountaintop experience. So my prayer for your preaching and teaching task this week is that you receive something from on high, and you bring it down to the people so that they too go to the mountain and come down and share as well. So... Uh, Gracious God, I do ask that you would teach us in our inward being, in our hearts, your love and your grace, that you would give us words to proclaim, that you would work on the hearts of those that we come in contact with, so that they be receptive to the the light, to the gospel preaching. Uh, Father, help us to be faithful and to be light in a dark world. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.